deserves our praise. Hallelujah. There is no one like you, Jesus. You are worthy, Lord. Blessed be your name, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You are great and greatly to be praised. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. There's no one like our God, is there? How many are thankful that they were baptized in that wonderful name? The name of Jesus, we call upon that name, the name that is higher than any other name. No other name that we were given. Hallelujah, hallelujah. It's great that we can come and worship together, amen, in spirit and in truth. Amen. I'm glad to know that uh, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, that he doesn't change. That we don't wake up one day and we wonder, oh, well, I wonder what... Uh, Wonder what mood God's in today or wonder what's going to happen today. No. What we got yesterday, God is the same. What we read about in Scripture, He's still the same God today. We know we can depend upon Him. He will always be there. Imagine waking up and finding out that Dr. Seuss is offensive. And they, they ban, ban Dr. Seuss. That's what happens. And if they ever read the Word of God... They might get a little offended too. But uh, it's only a matter of time, folks, until uh, they're done with Dr. Seuss, whatever, until they turn their attention to the people that believe the Word of God. Amen. But uh, we know the Word of God stands the test of time. It will always be there. We know the worlds are going to fade and melt away, but the Word of God will stand sure. And that's what we're going to depend upon. That's what we're going to live our lives by is the Word of God because it doesn't change. Amen, and uh, amen. there's nothing to worry about with uh, any type of persecution or whatever because we know in the Bible when persecution comes to the church that what happens? Revival happens. Amen, and so whatever, whatever form or fashion that God uh, wants to uh, have revival, amen, we're all for it, right? Amen, because we want to see God's will being done in this world. Amen, so good to see everyone here tonight. Amen, we want to, uh, our kids' church can be dismissed. Amen, we want to remember um, uh, men's conference registration. Um, there's, uh, so far I've got about a handful, half a dozen or so guys that are saying that they're going. And so tomorrow prices go up. And so if you want to go and you haven't registered, uh, please see me so I can register you and get you in at a cheaper rate. Uh, otherwise things go up from here. Amen. And so um, next Friday night, not this Friday, but next Friday the 12th is going to be our late night prayer meeting. So uh, excited for what God is going to do there. And um, after that, the weekend after that is our uh, rummage sale. So start gathering things, um, your treasures that are no longer treasures. And, uh, but don't bring them yet because if we bring them, then we're not going to have any room to pray uh, next week. So uh Get them near your front door so you trip over them and you're ready to get rid of them. Okay, all right. Amen. As we are standing, we can go to the word of the Lord tonight. Uh, Matthew, the sixth chapter. We'll start, we'll read a few verses. Verse 9. It says, After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth, in earth as it is in heaven. Amen. I want to 
start a new series tonight entitled The Kingdom. Amen. Turn to a few people, wave at them, and uh, you may be seated this night. Amen. In, inside the church, we, we use words and phrases that aren't used too frequently outside of the church. We have our own language, our own customs, our own standards, and thank God for them, right? I'm thankful that the call of holiness makes me different than what I used to be. I'm thankful that His blood and His righteousness and His name completely changed the way that I do things and the way that I see things and, the, and changed the way that I walk and talk. So I'm thankful for these changes that we have in the kingdom of God inside the church. But someone that is just looking in from the outside or just coming in, they don't understand, they don't, uh, they don't get it, many Many will pass judgment and, and make a decision based on one look or one experience or one encounter with a one God apostolic tongue talking church. And that decision to come back or to stay has an eternal effect on where somebody's going to spend eternity. And I'm thankful to be here tonight. I'm thankful that I chose to come back and to stay here in the church inside uh, the kingdom of God. And, but choosing to stay means that you will need to learn the ways of the church that are established in, in, in the word of God and are rooted and grounded in the principles of the word of God. And the more that we grow and get rooted and grounded in the kingdom of God, uh, the more, the stronger that we become, and the, the better Christian, the better apostolic, the better disciple, whatever word you want to use, we become better and we become uh, molded and shaped into the image that God has called us to be, the man or woman He has called us to be. Uh, the more that we submit to the Word of God and His teachings, the better that we become. And so, uh, part of the new language. And the lingo that we, we say here that we frequently use is the word kingdom. Kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, kingdom of darkness, kingdom of light, kingdoms of this world. Uh, we're, we're used to hearing that word kingdom and we have an understanding uh, of what it, what, it, what it means. But if you say that word out there in the world you might have some explaining to do what exactly you mean. But when here, when we say the kingdom, we, we know what we're talking about. Since we use this word so frequently, and I, uh, I think by default, uh, we have come to learn that saying kingdom means that we are referring to the kingdom of God. That's the, the default definition. Unless we're using other words to describe the other kingdoms, kingdom of darkness, kingdom of, of this world kind of thing. And so the title of this series, The Kingdom, is obviously about the kingdom of God, which uh, I'm sure we all understood from the onset. But we're going to go look beyond the, the surface of the name and actually look into the kingdom of God and, and what it means, what it looks like, its characteristics, its attributes, what it all, what it really means, because... Uh, 
uh, unless we kind of sit down and really dive in and, and figure it out, uh, it, it's a lot deeper than just saying the word kingdom. And the word kingdom simply means uh, an area, a, a realm, a territory, whether city, country, or world, or nation, whatever, it doesn't matter. It's a realm, it's a certain uh, geographical area, if you will. When, uh, when the word kingdom is used, it means that there has to be a king. There has to be a king to, in order to have a kingdom. There has to be a, a ruler or one who is in charge. The, there's a person that has authority, power, and dominion over this said territory, over this realm. And if there is no king, well then quite frankly there's no kingdom. Uh, no ruler, then there's no realm of authority and power, and it's just uh, anarchy or free-for-all, whatever, live however you want. Uh, but as long as there's a ruler or somebody in charge, and if they bear that title king, then it's going to be... Uh, a kingdom. Uh, so kingdom of God is referring to the realm that God rules over. If we're taking that definition, kingdom of darkness, we can say that that's the realm uh, that Satan rules over, etc. Uh, kingdom of men, it talks about, mentions kingdom of men. Obviously that would refer to the place where mankind is. So the kingdom of God, what, what's, what about it? What, how do we define it? Where is it? What are its borders, if it has any? What are the things about the kingdom of God that we so frequently use, but uh, uh, I don't know how many of us has actually dove into what the kingdom of God actually is. And, and so our text provides us an interesting perspective to those questions. Uh, it says, after this manner, therefore pray ye, after our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And so when the disciples asked Jesus how we should pray, this is what Jesus told them. Uh, the first part of uh, the Lord's Prayer, as they say. He says, pray to God. Pray for His kingdom to come. Pray for His will to be done in the earth as it is in heaven. And, and so this tells us, that there is a kingdom that is not here on the earth. That hasn't come. Uh, otherwise, why would we pray for God, let your kingdom come? If the kingdom of God is not on the earth, that, that might explain why we should pray, God, your will to be done on the earth as it is done in heaven. Because there is something out there that is not of this world and not from this world that, that, that seems to tell us that whatever is up there is better than what's come happening down here. And, and so we ask for it and so we pray for it to, to come down here. God, let your kingdom come to, to make this place a, a reflection or an extension of what is going on up there. So the main definition of kingdom is the, the realm where the king's will is done. And so if we have to pray for his will to be done here on earth as it is in heaven, then that means God's will is not being done, which is a pretty good sign that as to what kingdom that we are in. Now, before you go ahead and crucify me, let me continue on and we'll talk afterwards, but... Uh, there is an eternal and everlasting kingdom. Uh, 
that God is king over, that he is ruler over, and it's, and it's everywhere. The Bible describes that it's everywhere. God is the king of kings and lord of lords, and uh, of his kingdom there is no end, and he is in charge. Psalms 93 and 1 says, The Lord reigneth, he is clothed with majesty, the Lord is clothed with strength, wherewith he hath girded himself. The world also is established that it cannot be moved. Thy throne is established of old. Thou art from everlasting. He's been on the throne from everlasting to everlasting. He is ruling this world and this universe or whatever existence that we uh, have. Psalms 103 and 19 says, The Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom ruleth over all. In Daniel 4 and 17, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream, and Daniel is here uh, interpreting the dream. And he says this, This matter is by the decree of the watchers, and the man by the word of the holy ones, to the intent that the living may know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will, and setteth up it over the basest of men. And so we clearly see and we know that God is in charge of everything. That He rules the heavens, that He rules in the kingdom of men, and it says He gives it to whomsoever He will. And so clearly we know that God is in control. I don't think we got to argue about that. But the question then is, is if, if God is in control and He rules over all, why then did Jesus say, pray for God's kingdom to come? Pray for God's will to be done in earth as it's in, done in heaven. And, and so that is the conundrum, isn't it? If, if God's will is ultimately done, then what in the world is going on here on the earth? If we have to pray for his will to be done down here as it is up there. In the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of heaven, when God speaks, when he wills something to, to be done, it's done. There's, there's no one to talk back, no one that says, well, how about we discuss this, God, or, 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 or how about we form a committee, or how about we get a consensus, and, and, and we'll see what the final answer is. Yeah, we hear you, God, what your word is, what your will is, what your decree is, but how about we debate about this, and we come together to some kind of agreement so that uh, we're all happy here. No. Not in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is when God speaks, it's done. Because it's his kingdom. He's on the throne. He rules. And he, de he de decrees and declares and it's done. Isaiah 55 and 11, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. And so that describes the kingdom of God because when the king speaks, his word goes forth and it is done. It is accomplished. And so, so why is it that when God speaks to us or, or, or gives us dreams or, or promises and, and we haven't seen them come to pass yet, why, why do we get bent out of shape? 
Why do we walk around acting like it's not going to happen or like it, like God forgot about it? Did the Lord speak it? Did God declare it? Then I'm here to say it's going to happen. Why? Because his word goes forth and it does not return void. Did the king of kings declare those things? Then who can stop it? Who can prevent it from happening? Ecclesiastes 8 and 4 says, Where the word of a king is, there is power. And so there is power there to perform the word of the king. It's just it, the, where the power comes, it just comes from the throne. When he says it, the power of the king carries that word and it gets done. Uh, power to see it done, power to, to bind or to lose, power to arrest or, or power to, to do whatever the king declares. Uh, there's power that goes forth with its word, power over the enemy. Why? Because uh, it's the king's word and with the king's word comes power. Some of us are holding on to the word, but we haven't picked up the power yet to do the word. Some of us, we've got used to uh, just hearing it, but now we haven't enacted it or haven't lived by it, I'm here to tell you that there comes power with the Word of God that comes with it so that we can see it come to pass in our life if it's God's will. And so the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit, it's quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. That's our, that's our weapon that God has given us, which is the Word of God. And so it's time that we really start believing the Word from the King and start using the Word and start praying the Word and start declaring the Word. Why? It's not our Word. It's the King's Word. And there comes power with the Word from the King. And so we need to start believing and acting and living by the Word of God. And so we get the perfect illustration of the kingdom of God uh, and of the words of the king and all the power that comes with these words. Uh, We get the perfect illustration in the beginning of our Bible, Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. You can't create something unless you have the power and the authority to do so. You can't, you can't do it unless it's in your kingdom, it's in your realm, the, 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 the sphere, uh, the territory that you are ruling over. You can't create or do anything unless it's in your kingdom. Uh, and so we see immediately uh, declaring God created the heaven and the earth. That's, that's in his realm of authority. Verse 2, and the earth was without form and void. Darkness was upon the face of the deep. The spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. If it's not in your kingdom, then you're trespassing. And so for the Spirit of God to be moving upon the, the waters, the face of the deep, then obviously it's in his realm, it's in his territory, That's where, it's in his kingdom. And so there he is moving in his kingdom. Verse 3, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. Boom, there's the power. The word of the king just spoke, and all of a sudden there wasn't any light, and all of a sudden there has to be light. Why? Because the king declared there needs to be some light, and I don't know how it happened, but all of a sudden light came out of nowhere uh, because of the power that was behind the word of God. And so the whole creation story reveals to us the kingdom of God, his rule, his authority, and his power. Verse 4, God saw the light, that it was good, divided the light from the darkness. 
God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. Interesting how the sun and moon hasn't even been created yet. All of a sudden, we got light. Why? Because the king said there needs to be some light in here. And so light came. In the kingdom, you have authority and dominion over something. If you have authority and dominion over it, then you have the power and the ability to name it. God named everything he made because it's in his kingdom. He, he can say what he wants. He can call it whatever he wants to call it. It's, it's in his kingdom. You may not like what he calls something. Hey, get your own kingdom and you can call it whatever you want. That's what this world's doing. They're, they're pushing God out and making their own kingdom and saying whatever they want to do, make up whatever rules they want. That's fine for them. God's, God's kingdom's a little bit more powerful than theirs, and they'll find that out one day. Uh, and so God named everything that he made. It's in his kingdom because he has the power to do so. So here's a, a good sign of authority uh, to rename something that already has a name. I can't come up to you and say, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, I don't want to call you this. I'm going to call you something else. I'm going to change your name for you. I don't have the power to do that. It's, uh, it's not in my realm or authority to do so. Uh, but we, we see God naming everything that he's made. He, he named Adam, and, and he even changed people's names. He changed Abram to Abraham, and he changed Jacob to Israel. What, what does that signify? That means that he is Lord over them. Because he, has the, he, he decided to change the name. Okay, Lord, if you're Lord over me and you say my name's something else, then so be it. Who am I to say no? Uh, he is their king and he is their ruler, so he has uh, the power to change the name. And so we even see this play out in the kingdom of men uh, in this world when Nebuchadnezzar captures and conquers Jerusalem and uh, he takes prisoners back to Babylon, and, and when he does, what, what does he do when they arrive in his kingdom? He changes their names. You're in Babylon now. I'm going to change your name. I have the, you don't like it? Too bad. You're in my kingdom. And so what did he do? He changed Daniel's name, uh, which is a, a Hebrew name. It's, it means God is my judge. That's what Daniel means. And what did he do? He changed Daniel to Belteshazzar, which means Lord of the straightened treasure. I don't know. I like the Hebrew name better. God is my judge. But why would he keep a Hebrew name when he's in Babylon? He'll give you a Babylonian name. He changed uh, Hananiah, which means God has favored. He changed that to Shadrach which means the great scribe. I'd rather have my Hebrew name. God has favored me. He changed Michel to, which means, who is what God is. Cool name, who is what God is. What did he change that to? Meshach, the guest of a king. He changed Azariah, which means Jehovah has helped. What did he do? He changed that to Abednego, meaning servant of Nebo. What a shame to have those godly names taken away and given a less worthy name, some kind of Babylonian name. And I know that we know we call them Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but we don't do them any favors by calling them their Babylonian names. 
We should learn their Hebrew names because uh, it means much better things uh, than those Babylonian names. But, but it, it happened. He took, they, he took away those names. Why? Because he had the power and the authority to do so because they entered into the kingdom of Nebuchadnezzar. And in the kingdom of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar does what he wants and he declares and his word has power and he does what he wants. He's a king. And so that is why it is so critical when it comes to water baptism. Calling upon the name of Jesus, the highest name, the greatest name that was given to men whereby we must be saved, it shows that who is Lord over you. It shows that Jesus is Lord over you, identifies the name of your king and the kingdom to which you belong. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, that's not a name. What, what kingdom is that? What kingdom is that? Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Every king is a son, and most kings are fathers. And so what, what kingdom are you talking about, Father, Son, Holy Ghost? Uh, so calling on titles does not tell anyone which kingdom you belong to. And since no name has been applied to, your na- to you as you were baptized, then, then I guess you're stuck with your own name. And if you're not aware, your name is not going to get you very far with God. So that's what the critical uh, reason why we call upon the name of Jesus. We've got we to gotta say a name. We're buried in the name of Jesus. We're baptized in Jesus' name, and we call upon that name. That, that's, that's the new name that we're given. Uh, I want to be identified with Jesus' name, not my name. My name is, is worthless. It's like a Babylonian name. But, but go ahead, call me Jesus. Call the name of Jesus upon me as I'm baptized, and that will signify and identify which kingdom that I'm going to. So submitting and obeying the word of the king means that you'll be baptized in his name, in Jesus' name. And so all of this kingdom talk, and and we clearly see that God is in control. And it's that his will is is being done. And and, and again, why then are we told or were they told to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so, so what's going on here? What is God in control or not? Is is this His kingdom or or, or not? Are, are we in His kingdom or, or or not? What's what's going on? Well, it, it, as God was creating in His kingdom, He did something different. He made a man and He placed him in this newly created earth, and He said. I'm going to give this little blue and green ball, I'm going to give it to the man that I made. Uh, The man that I made in my likeness, in my image, I'm going to give him dominion and power over this little ball here. And he will rule just like me since he was made like me. He was made after my image and after my likeness and my uh, my traits and and character traits I I placed in him. And I gave him my power from my throne to rule with dominion and authority over this world. And so that little spot of dirt that is still in my kingdom, I'm going to lease it out to Adam and I will rule through a man and I'm going to establish a theocracy now we know democracy is where the majority rules and laws are established by the majority democracy but a theocracy theo is God a theocracy is where God rules 
over a certain realm, and, but he has representatives to declare what he says and what his will is and what his word is. And, and so that's a, a theocracy. Obviously, uh, the nation of Israel was established as a theocracy, what is God's, God's, God's uh, nation, his kingdom. Uh, and, and so it wasn't, uh, we saw what happened when the, uh, the democracy took over as Moses was up on the mountaintop talking with God. The little democracy got together and they wanted to make a golden calf and, and things didn't end well for there. That's what happens when uh, you put man in charge. But when God's in charge, the theocracy, obviously his rule is done and his will is com- uh, accomplished and his righteousness flows through uh, the representatives and the nation uh, that God has chosen. And so uh, uh, theocracy is what God was setting up here on the, on the earth. Sounds like a good plan, except that uh, on this patch of land, I'm going to let man have the freedom of choice. Everywhere in the universe, when God speaks, it's done. But here, God has given man, given us the power to say no. Completely different than all the rest of God's kingdom. We can say no. Uh, Down here on this planet, God says, you guys can say no if you want. Uh, You believe that if a star said, I'm not going to shine anymore, poof, gone. If a tree says, I'm not going to produce fruit anymore, poof, gone, dried up. Everywhere in the kingdom of God, his will is done according to his uh, declaration, except here on earth, where we can say, no, I don't want to. What, wow, what a, what, a, what a fool, what fool would say no? No need to be looking around, we can spend all our time looking in the mirror and asking that person that question. So a theocracy established and and executed through a man who has the ability to say no. Pretty risky. The kingdom of God's existence on this earth solely depends on on a man who will not say no, but say yes, Lord, to your will and your ways. A man who will say, not my will, but thy will be done. That is how the kingdom of God comes down from heaven and is established here on this terrain, on this earth. And and that is how it was in the beginning with Adam. Adam had free reign, but he he, he chose to let God have the final say. He had free choice. He can say yes or no, but he, uh, at least for a while there, he was uh, uh, allowing God to rule and reign. And we see a beautiful picture of the kingdom of God. The spirit of God coming down in the cool of the day and walking and talking with Adam, God's representative, God's son made after him, his likeness and his image. Uh, There are no reports of violence or bloodshed, no reports of animals attacking one another. Eden was paradise because Eden was in the kingdom of God. You want to know what Eden was like? We see a glimpse in Isaiah 11. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the kid. The calf and the young lion shall and the fatling together. The little child shall lead them. Imagine that. The cow and the bear shall feed. Their their young ones shall lie down together. The lion shall eat straw like an ox. 
And the suckling child shall play on the hole of the asp. And the weaned child shall put his hand uh, uh, on the king cobra's nest. And nothing will happen. You look around this world and, and, and now you know why Jesus said to pray, Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in the earth as it is in heaven. Oh, how much we need heaven to come down to this earth. How much we need a refreshing and a renewing and an outpouring of the kingdom of God in our lives and in this world. Why? Because something's different about that kingdom than the way that things are happening down here. And we are to be praying, God, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Because it's something different. Everything was in its place in this newly established theocracy was off to a good start. God made Adam and then he made Eve because he realized Adam wasn't getting anything done. And so he made uh, a helpmeet to keep him on track and keep him productive. Uh, and so we see in Genesis 1.27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he them, male and female created he them. God blessed them and, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, of the fowl of the air, over every living thing that moveth upon the face of the earth. And so notice the, the command was to Adam and Eve. He blessed them and he... And he said unto them, be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth, subdue it. And he gave them dominion over the entire earth. And so the kingdom of God on the earth was given to a man and his wife to carry out the laws of the kingdom. But when you start changing genders and you changing marriage and relationships, it goes all the way back to the very beginning of time. The very beginning when God established these things. And, and what does it do? It perverts what God originally intended. You can't embrace perversion and sin and think that you're going to dwell in the kingdom of God. You can, it can't happen. We can't allow uh, sin to take place while praying for God's kingdom to come. It can't happen. It's like two opposites, the two magnets, opposite ends of a magnet. They just, they can't, they don't come together. Uh, and so uh, this goes well beyond the, the gender preference move, movement, uh, but it includes every type of sin, every lie, every, every drunk, every unrighteous act, every adulterer, every fornicator. What shall the, These things shall not inherit the kingdom of God because in order to get into the kingdom of God, in order to see it, you've got to turn from those things. You've got to turn from those the, uh, wicked ways. You can't disobey the king and still expect it. To be in his kingdom. Only obedience is found in the kingdom of God. So if you disobey, guess what? Pack your bags because you're on your way out. If you don't like the what what the king says, find another kingdom. If you disobey what he says, if he has mercy, he lets you live and uh, deals with you. And and so. The word of the king has power, and so when he declares it, that's what happens. And we, that's why there's obedience uh, in the kingdom uh, of, of God and in any kingdom, really. If the king finds out you deliberately disobeyed, uh, uh, I'd hate to see what happens. I mean, there, there are still some 
uh, nations that are called kingdoms today. And there are kings that rule and reign. Uh, I wonder what it's like in this kingdom. I wonder what happens when somebody disobeys a king's orders. They have authority to do whatever they want, I guess, in their, in their kingdom. And so uh, we have to obey the, the, the word of the king because uh, if, if we don't or we disobey, then guess what? We're on our way out. Not, not in my house or, or not under this roof. If you're going to stay here, there are rules that you will abide by. Anybody hear this, something like that? Maybe different terminology, some kind of along the same lines. If you're going to live here, got some rules, some chores to abide by. If not, go find your own kingdom. So if uh, you've heard that or maybe you've said that, you're just like your father in heaven because he's got his rules, his kingdom, and people that don't want to be a part of it, guess what? They're on their own. And so musicians, if you would come. And so, uh, and so we can see uh, dominion and authority given to Adam and Eve. And, and we see this because what, is, what does it say? That God brought to Adam uh, the, the living creatures, and what did Adam do? Adam named them. You can only name something if you have power and authority to do so. And, and they were in Adam's domain and, and his kingdom or under the kingdom of God because he was submitted to God. And so uh, the power and authority that God had flowed through Adam, and Adam named all the animals. Uh, and so if you don't like that, guess what? Go to another kingdom that has animal, different animals, and you can name whatever you want. And so what happened to what happened to Adam? Well, plainly and simply, he just he disobeyed the king. He disobeyed the king and he got booted out of the kingdom. Uh, you can't stay here. You want to do what you want to do, then guess what? You're you're on your own, buddy. That's what happened when you disobey the king. And, and so what happened that day? Instead of ruling over creation, Adam and Eve started listening to it. Adam and Eve started talking with it. And, and Adam and Eve, if you will, worshipped the, the creature more than the creator. They started listening to somebody else. They started listening to Lucifer instead of the Lord. Uh, and, and so when you start disobeying the, the, the laws of the kingdom, guess what? Don't think you'll be able to stay in the kingdom very long. Uh, and so uh, not obeying uh, the king's commands and, and listening to the creature more than the creator, especially when you've given, been given power and dominion over that creature, uh, if, you're, if you're listening to it, then that's a perversion. That's, a diso that's disobedience. That's defilement because that's not how things happen in the kingdom of God. You, you have dominion over that serpent, and so you should take care of it. You shouldn't sit there and have a picnic with, with this talking snake. You should, Adam should have declared that, hey, you need to shut up, snake, because I have power and dominion over you because God gave that to me. Here in the kingdom of God, you listen to me, not me listening to you. And what Adam did, Adam listened to that creature, and that was a perversion and a disobedience. So you're not following the king's commands, not listening to the king's words. And guess what? Disobeyed. Disobedience is not in the kingdom of God. It's booted out. And so not only did God's plan to establish the kingdom of God on this earth come to an end at that moment, if you stand with me tonight, but also, what did he do? 
Bible says that he withdrew his spirit, if you will. Man shall not always strive. My spirit shall not always strive with man. And so his spirit, there was that separation. Something happened. He withdrew his spirit in some form or fashion. You know that the spirit, the the one that moved upon the face of the deep. The one that gives life and sustains life. Yeah, that spirit. The spirit of God, the the one that has peace, that passes all understanding. that, That same spirit that enables the wolf and the lamb to lie down together. Guess what? That's gone. The peace that's in the kingdom of God is, is, is taken away. The spirit that rules and governs the kingdom of God is removed somehow, some way. Uh, because he said, my spirit shall not always strive with man. And, and poof, the kingdom of God goes back into the heavens. Where man now has to pray, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done here on the earth as it is up there. It used to be like that down here. Something happened. Through Adam's disobedience came the curse of sin. And this world, this realm, this patch of dirt that used to be grass now lives under a curse. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now, as Paul writes in Romans. Why? Because all of creation used to live in the kingdom of God. And now it's not. You want to talk about a curse? Being a part of the kingdom of God and then being kicked out and being prevented from going back to where it used to be. We don't, we don't really understand it all too well because we were born yesterday and we'll die tomorrow. But nature, creation, it remembers. It groans and is travailing in pain. Nature is. The wolves and the coyotes who used to look at the moon and not have to hunt for their food, now it groans. Now it travails, just like you and I should. If we skip out on prayer, if we miss out on the moving of God's Spirit, we should be groaning and travailing. Oh God, where where are you, God? Get me back into your presence. Don't let me get very far from you. I don't want to forsake you again, God. I don't want to go a day without you. Because in my kingdom, there is depravity, there is drought, there is pain, there is sickness. There is hurt, but in your kingdom, there is peace, joy unspeakable, full of glory. There, In your kingdom, God, there is healing. In your kingdom, God, there is deliverance. In your kingdom, there is power to lift us up and to give us a new life. And so, what do we pray? We pray, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, Lord. Thy will be done here in the earth as it is in heaven. There's coming a day where the actual, the kingdom of God is going to show up. But until that day, we're praying and we're following the leading of the Spirit. 
uh, and, and we're being partakers to some degree of, of, of what it is to be like in the kingdom of God, but we're still stuck here in this kingdom of men, in this kingdom of darkness that has uh, dominion and authority here on this earth. But that doesn't keep us from getting up in the morning and saying, God, let your kingdom come. God, help me not to follow my kingdom today. God, let me lay down my will and my desires and and help me be the man that does not say no. Help me be the one that says, God, it's not my will, but it's thy will be done. Come on, does anybody there want to see the kingdom of God come? Want to experience the the blessings of the kingdom of God? Come on, why why don't we cry out to him tonight as we sing? Let's just magnify the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Let's cry out to him. Lord, we want your kingdom to come in our lives. We want it to come in this world, God. Lord, there's something different about your kingdom. It's suffered here, God. Soon and very soon, Lord, you are coming. You're coming to take us to be with you, Jesus. Let us start living like it's heaven now. Hallelujah, Jesus. For you are God alone from before time began.
songs of praise. Let's lift up the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Hallelujah, Jesus. Lord, we worship you, Lord. We magnify you, Jesus. We want your kingdom to come, your will to be done, Jesus. Not just in our lives, but in this world. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. What a privilege it is to be a part of the kingdom of God and feeling his spirit and hearing him speak to you and move and lead and guide us. The truth is that it really comes down to a, a daily decision. You wake up tomorrow and you, and you decide what kingdom you want to be a part of today. You want to chase your own stuff? There's a way that seems right unto a man. It ends the way of our death, destruction. Why? Yeah, it's my kingdom. Why wouldn't it feel right? But we got to wake up and we got to crucify our flesh and our will and our desires. Say, God, I want your kingdom to come. I want to be a part of your kingdom because just the little things that I see and, and know about in the word of God, your kingdom's a whole lot better than what's going on down here. Why would I put my treasures down here? Put them up there in the kingdom that lasts forever. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. You're just dismissed tonight in Jesus' name.